Hello listeners, Editing Mike here. So, we recorded this particular episode out of sequence, i.e. several weeks before the more recent episodes were recorded. So in the actual previous episode, uh, Ben led us through a very friendly alien interrogation, which resulted us being sucked into a very small box, which was very dark on the inside. As you're about to hear, we took a stab at what might have happened, and boy were we off the mark. Anyway, on with the show. Previously on The Infinite Escape Room. Oh no, not my armpit. The robots are coming. That doesn't go with cheese. You put my pickle where? Hovis's squarest sandwich loaf. Can't have anything nice. True to form. Hello and welcome to the Infinite Escape Room, the puzzling podcast where a group of geographically diverse chums come together, have a drink, and work together to solve a homemade escape room of the ears. I am Mike, your host, but not your presenter. And this evening, I am drinking a delicious Jura Journey um, from Alan's cupboard uh, in Alan's living room, surrounded by three of my favouritest pals, um, and John. No, uh, three, hey. of my, uh, three of my favourites, John, Alan, and Danny. And they are going to introduce themselves now. Hello, everybody. I'm John, and we are not geographically diverse. We are here in the same room to look into the whites of each other's eyes. I, like Michael, am drinking a Jura, Jura, Jura? I think it's a Jura. Jura, 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 Jura. Uh, whiskey, which is lovely. And I'm very proud to be becoming a man that can actually appreciate whiskey sometimes. And I'm appreciating this one. It's lovely. Oh, good job. Uh, and I'm Danny, and I'm drinking a Hobgoblin Gold. And oh. yeah, it's very uh, refreshing, and I enjoy it. And I'm Alan, and I'm drinking a classic Guinness from straight from the can to get all those lovely sensual flavours. Sensual. 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 sensual <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> Strong start. <laughs> Sorry, Alan, these, the only problem with these recordings is that I can't edit them. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. Start again, start again. <laughs> edit that, cut that. Uh, don't tell everyone I find that Guinness sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if they changed that, that, the Christmas Guinness ad they use every fucking year? <laughs> One with the brewery and the snow and everything, um, with the, like, the gates of the brewery, and instead it was like the porno version. Written by Alan. Sensual Guinness. It'd be be Guinness, but with the woman from the Magnum adverts (laughs) biting into the Guinness. Or biting into the can. Into the glass. Yeah. It would be be a close-up of Alan's head and he'd drink a Guinness and it would slowly zoom out to show him pitching a tent in his chair. I thought you were going to say, like, you'd zoom out and you'd be like, oh, Alan's got boobs now. Brilliant. (laughs) Yeah. But before we go any further, we must, of course, thank the people who helped to make this possible, and that is our fabulous, wonderful patrons. And in particular, uh, I'd like to give a special thank you to Colin Walker, Jade Shaw, and Jay Cameron Cooper. Thank you so much, folks. And thank you to all of you patrons for helping get the show on the road. If you'd like to join their ranks for as little as a pound a month, you can do so over at patreon.com slash the infinite escape room. There's bonus material, early access to episodes, shout outs, uh, other guff, and uh, occasional VR videos of me, weirdly, and yeah. more. I just spilt whiskey on my toe. Oh, God, I thought you were about to say the sofa then. <laughs> no, on my toe. Uh, also the rug. Not the, I, not the Ikea rug. I, I don't know how I stopped this. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think we just have to listen to the entire song. Oh, well done. <laughs> it's the um, eight-minute version. Yeah. yeah, like, this is the Officer of the Day march, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's very long. It's about three minutes. Yeah. Okay. If you push it again, does it stop? No, does it start it, it, from the just, beginning? It'll probably start again. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sake. Hang on. This is amazing. 
That'll do. Danny, I hope, <laughs> I hope this is a jaunty episode, Danny. <laughs> I have the opposite of the day, March. Sorry, for, for listeners at home, um, I've got my, my lovely little Podtrack P4 in front of me, which has four sound pad buttons, which I love, which means I can play four sound effects on demand, which we can all listen to as we perform. However... You can't unplay them. I can't unplay them, um, which is a bit of a fucker. Um, <laughs> Anyway, what is the Infinite Escape Room? Well, it is like any other escape room you may be familiar with, except it isn't, because this one, instead of happening in bricks and mortar and in your hands and eyes and tasty buds... Is happening in bricks and mortar... In Alan's bungalow. (laughs) But it's it's happening in... Okay, so physically now, at this moment in space and time, it's happening in Alan's bungalow, but in a more real sense, it's happening conceptually in your hearts, minds, ears, and imaginations. Every room in the Infinite Escape Room <laughs> links into the next in one big, never-ending escape experience. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Ben. <laughs> Each week, one of us will bring a part of the Infinite Escape Room, and today it is Sweet Danzibald. Hello. Hello. While the others try and solve it. Emphasis on try. <laughs> mm. If we can't escape within 30 minutes, then dreadful, smelly, terrible things will happen to us. And if we break anything that we're not supposed to break, then we will lose our deposit. And our deposit to this week is... Michael's microphone setup. We've already already been staked twice. Oh, sugar. Uh, Uh, Ooh. Mm. I mean, we've got four computers of varying expense. Or Alan's bungalow. Not the bungalow. <laughs> how's, about, how's about the view from Alan's bungalow? Oh. The view from Alan's bungalow. So if, if, uh, if we break anything, then Newport will move two miles closer. <laughs> actually get yeah, so, so the view from Alan's bungalow, just to describe it to you, and without moving out of the microphone's catch, <laughs> which is difficult. The view from Alan's bungalow is a sort of combination of land of hope and glory, and this is England. <laughs> both of them <laughs> we're not in England <laughs> no, in <laughs> but one day we'll be in England <laughs> so let's uh, are we ready then chaps? I think so I think so we are ready well then let's enter the infinite escape room it's not the same with the actual sound effect I think <laughs> Um, just before we do this room, I'd like yeah. to clarify that I actually, ca- uh, about four or five weeks ago, I came down with COVID, or, which was uh, lovely, and I actually came up with this room while I was uh, suffering a high fever and unable to sleep. Amazing. Six hours. Oh, amazing. Uh, and this came into my brain, and I wrote it down the next day, uh, the like rough idea and hashed it out. So if it's absolute uh, dog mess, then I apologise to him. No, I think this is going to be like a trip. Yeah, I'm fully expecting now this to be some... And to be fair, Danny, the last room you did that I remember involved a giant screwdriver coming through a portal above us and unscrewing a thing. Oh, and yeah. It was all about like sizes of things changing. It was very very it's weird and it. dreamlike. Yeah. So if that was a normal Danny room... Oh, okay. The title writes itself, Escape Danny's Fever Dream. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so... After sending the signal and triggering the landing of the once-thought-lost Steve Jobs spy satellite, a small capsule bursts through the atmosphere and lands in front of you. The doors open and a purple gas streams out surrounding you. You feel yourselves becoming unsteady and stoop to your knees before you are overcome and become unconscious. You come to and find yourselves in different places. Oh. Mike, you find yourself in a school sports hall. Desks lay in an odd configuration, and you seem to be doing a test. A dragonfly with the head of footballer David Seaman flies past. And here we go. (laughs) Then hovers over your shoulder for a while, and then flies up into the centre of the room and shouts, Please make sure you read the question carefully. You feel a sinking sense of dread about him doing this. Alan. Hello. You seem to be playing a beautiful piece of music on a harp made of springs and cardboard to the Royal Albert Hall. All the seats are filled by adoring fans, which seem to be a different breed of dogs. 
All are listening attentively and seem to be enjoying it. John. Dare I fucking ask. You find yourself riding around on the second seat of a tandem bicycle with Rowan Atkinson, except he is composed of carrots and is wearing a suit made out of pages of the Daily Star. He mentions how he is pleased that you like his new off-road bike, which seems to have, instead of two wheels, each with a tyre on it, several spokes that all have a tiny Wellington boot on the end. What do you want to do? Wow, there's so much there, isn't there? Um, so we're all in different spaces. Yes. The, can I just point out the incredible irony that this is the first room in which we have not all been in the same place, and this is also the first, first room, room where we've all been in the same place. place. <laughs> so yeah. well done, Danny. Points for Excellent. irony. Um, okay, so I'm riding along with Rowan Atkinson on my tandem, my bicycle made for two. Yep. Um, there's a song about that. Yes. Uh, are we like what what's around me am i going anywhere where am i you're just generally autopiloting around pedaling okay enjoying the scenery can i can i stop the bike oh john as you try to do that you find that your thoughts are muddled and unclear you focus on your train of thought and as you do this you notice a small sphere around you begin to bend and distort shapes and light around your head much like staring into a silver spoon the sphere extends and grows around you until the size of a small yoga mat uh yoga ball sorry when it can't grow anymore, and the world's elasticity snaps back with a flash of light, you now find yourself in a corridor with a clearer sense of thought and more in control of some of your faculties. I win! But not 100% yet. <laughs> the corridor is a beige colour with what seems to be the texture of TV static that gently flows over the walls. Danny, what the actual fuck? Wow. Okay, I think, I mean, this is making me feel that maybe we need to start waking up from these weird fever dreams. Mm. So, Danny, in the sports hall... Can I, I guess, try and grab the dragonfly of David Seaman and crush him well, in my Well, surely fist? you should read the question. That well, was his advice. Well, oh, it was, read it was, the exam question carefully. Read, read the exam question. Oh, yeah, can I read the exam question? Oh, Mike, as you tried to read the exam question, much as described with John, a small sphere starts to form around your head and expand until it can't anymore and snaps back. And you find yourself in the exact same corridor as John. Ooh. Oh. Hi, John. <laughs> and we're in the same space, except for Alan. Oh, well, joy. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm playing this harp made of cardboard, I think, isn't it? With, a, yes. with adoring dog fans. Fun fact, listeners, uh, at Mike's wedding, we played instruments made of cardboard. Oh, <laughs> yes, you did. No, I conducted. You hey, did. Um, of course. I conducted the cardboard orchestra, yeah. Cardboard, cardboard orchestra. orchestra. As Mike sweated profusely at the end of the aisle. I was hanging out my ass. <laughs> Um, I, I guess in a similar way, can I just try and, I don't know, just stop playing the harp? Yes, of course. And as you try and focus your thoughts, again, a small sphere forms around your head and it grows until it can't anymore and snaps back. You all appear in the same corridor. You seem to be standing with one another, both recognising each other, but not fully understanding how. A door along the corridor opens up and what appears to be David Badil wearing an eye patch swings his head round. He checks down both directions of the corridor and quickly ushers you in. You follow him in and he shuts the door behind you. You'll find yourselves in a clothes shop run by David Badil with an eye patch and the wings of a hawk wearing a pirate's outfit. He greets you. A lot going on there. <laughs> you see before you what appears to be the famous accident prone personality Steve-O. He is one foot three and is stood in front of a mirror trying on normal hats that each come down to his shoulders when he tries them on. He seems to ignore you and carry on about his business. As he does this, you catch yourselves in the mirror and something seems a little off. You observe yourselves and each other and notice you're not quite yourselves. Okay, let's take a look at ourselves. Mike, you seem to be in the form of current radio personality and former pop girl band member. Please be Nigel Farage. Emma Nigel. Bunton. Oh, Who? didn't see that coming. 
AKA hey. Baby Spice. Oh, <laughs> I had a bit of a crush on her when I was small. You're wearing jeans and a black blouse. John, you seem to be in the form of international film star it's and sex icon Jim Broadbent. Who? What? <laughs> You're wearing trousers, okay. button-up shirt and a tweed jacket. Hold that thought. Jim Broadbent as a sex icon? <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that. <laughs> cool. Yep. And Alan. Hello. I feel pasty. You seem to be in the form of a massive fucking swan. <laughs> You're about seven foot tall. That's a big swan. <laughs> so we have Emma Bunton, a swan, and Jim, Jim Broadbent. Who's Jim Broadbent? Should I know? Oh. <sighs> he's. Been, do you want to quickly Google him on your phone for a picture? I, so I you do, know? yeah. Could you call out a role that he's done recently, Danny? Uh, yes, he was Professor Slughorn in Harry Potter. Oh, uh, him! Yes! That helps. Which one's Professor Slughorn again? So he was the one who uh, Harry Potter was trying to convince to get the memory of why Tom Riddle... Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Is everyone happy to carry on? I know who Jim Broadbent is. Yep, excellent. Alan, he's this man. Oh, thank, thanks for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> I know him. Oh, John's gone for a look as well. Uh, Oh, it's it's gone. Oh, uh, it's that man. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> In front of the microphone, please, John. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ! Right, that's oh, that that clipped out. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You still don't seem to be fully in control of yourselves either. So occasionally, you find that Mike, you find yourself hopping on one leg. John, you sometimes look down to see your legs performing a river dance. And Alan, occasionally you find yourself flapping your wings a bit and honking. Okay. I think we eat Alan. What? Yeah. We're not the queen. We're not allowed. Yeah. True. Yeah. As you take stock of this, John begins to river dance away from you and bumps into a shelf of accessories and a university mortarboard falls and lands on his head. He is engulfed in a puff of smoke and emerges wearing a teacher's robe and a white shirt with a black bow tie. He seems to have been transformed into Professor Slughorn from Harry Potter. You take the mortarboard off your head and the outfit melts away from you and you're back to being Jim Broadbent. David Baddiel takes the hat from you and puts it back on the shelf. He then informs you that, sadly, the restroom is out of order in his shop. You all stop and think it would have been nice to have a wee, but I will. He then ushers you out of the back door into the corridor. I'm getting motion sickness from this puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) So. That's the setup. (laughs) That's the opening. So we're in David Baddiel's hat shop. Yes. Alan's got two pages of notes. I have so many notes already. And this is the setup. So So Danny. So very Danny. Before you. Bear in mind, folks, in case you didn't didn't catch it on the the edit, before this, I said to Danny, Danny, will we need to take notes? And he said, ah, (laughs) you won't need to. It should flow. It should draw a line that's a setup. Set up. Jesus yes. So, on your left is a door that seems to have a spice rack on it and is painted in a glittery Union Jack, but with pink instead of red. On your close right is a set of older wooden double doors with what seems to be a bouncer outside. Double door. <laughs> Ron Weasley. On your far right is a black door with two beef eaters either side of it. And at the end of a corridor is a large stone doorway with a grand set of wooden double doors at the end and a sconce either side with a burning blue flame. This is very Alice in Wonderland. Okay, I so my, my take so far on this is that we will need to get the right hat or the right uniform, right outfit to pass through these doors or we won't be allowed through. So I wonder, Danny, in David Bidil's hat shop, 
is there like a beef eater hat or, or one of those bearskin hats that the, the Royal Guards wear or something like that? Sure. You turn around and the door to David Baddiel's shop has vanished. Fuck it. You hear a foreboding ticking clock sound effect, uh. which you recognise from previous adventures, signals <laughs> that as you're not taking notes, you have 45 minutes to figure out what is going on. Is it one of the four sound effects that Michael has? No. Your okay. time starts now. So, what would you like to do? Okay, well, I, I was thinking about the Union Jack door, mm -hmm. and it's pink. Well, if uh, Mike, I think you believe yourself to perhaps be, well, look like Emma Bunton, right? Holy, hang Spice on, Girl, hang on. Wasn't the Spice Girls, there was a, didn't they have a pink Union Jack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Right? That's what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Baby Spice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go for it. There's something there. I think you're right. Uh, do I have boobs, uh, Danny? You're just Emma Bunton, as far as you can tell, yes. Oh, I've got plans. Oh, God. <laughs> you guys are probably better... There was a beef eaters and a black door. Beef eaters, swans, swans. For, yeah. For both genders, the prospect of being turned magically into the other gender would lead you to stand in front of a mirror naked and jump up and down. Both genders would do that. Wouldn't we? Be like, what's that like? <laughs> jump, jump. Oh. oh, we both would. We, we've only got one gender represented here, though. Yeah, Emma's here in spirit. I feel like I, 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 I feel like I, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I can confidently say that she'd go. Yeah, I'd do that. Well, yeah. what we'll do is, listeners, when she gets back, because mm -hmm. she's out with a mum and dad at the moment, probably having a roast dinner. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a weird segue for her. So we'll just—it'll literally be the first thing we ask her when she gets back in. We'll try and <laughs> yeah. capture it on. If the If you were turned into a man instantly, what be the very first? What thing? be the very first thing that you'd do? Yeah. Oh, oh I feel this is high risk. Uh, she's at least Cannon is Bailey. <laughs> Okay, so this is uh, the promised second bit of the recording. Bailey's just gone home. Hi, Bailey. Hey. What are you drinking, <laughs> Bailey? Oh, tea. Rock and roll on a Saturday <laughs> night. <laughs> to be fair, there was, there was quite a lot of drink last night. There was, to be fair. To oh, be fair. Good night. Very good night. <laughs> so I'll ask you though. So this came up in the podcast. Um, John has a theory, and I would like to challenge that theory. If you were suddenly turned into a man, what would be the very first thing that you would do? have a wank okay probably because only because i think because uh, i think orgasms are very different and it'd just be really interesting sorry that that's like not suitable for work i think just because i just like to see kind of what what the difference is between the, the orgasms oh fair enough okay so <laughs> <laughs> a lot more PC, possibly. Oh, but I don't know, it is John. But... Yeah, well, no, so for context, so Danny's puzzle uh, had me turned into Baby Spice. Uh, another uh, Emma. I like Emma. it. Yeah, another Emma like... B. Yeah, and, and yeah. John was like, oh, obviously the first thing that any person would do is they get in front of a mirror and jump up and down, no matter what gender. And I was like, I don't know, we're, we're all a room of men. So I said, oh, I'll ask Bailey when she gets home. And we just asked you. And now we know. <laughs> oh, God. If anything, it was actually slightly uh, worse. Yeah. Um, well, I don't like to know, but it's just. I'd say not slightly worse. I probably. Well, the first thing I'd probably do is scream, just because it is quite the change. Mm. Um, I think that is the first thing that would. And, and I don't know. I know. Maybe I'm a sexual deviant. I don't know. But I think it's just such a. Uh, yeah. I don't know what my second thing would be, though. Oh, I'd probably, probably like go uh, book the car in for an MOT and see how people like if I if, oh. like how different people treat you. I see that. I they see there you go. You've both sides of it. Yeah, both sides of it. Like highbrow and lowbrow. <laughs> Very lowbrow and kind of midbrow. <laughs> Cheers, for that, BC. No problems. <laughs> Excellent. Get some rub John's face in that one. Lovely. <laughs>
Okay, well, so can I, as, as Emma Bunton, uh, approach the door with the sparkly Union Jack on it, please, Danny? You certainly can. Uh, you enter through the glittering Union Jack door and find yourself suddenly on stage to thousands of people. Amazing. You can hear screams and cheers, but the crowd seems to be motionless. You look around the stage and you can also see four other ladies on stage with you, also motionless. And looking behind you, you can see a small table just off to the side of the stage. What's on the table? Sure. So... Several lines of cocaine. (laughs) Off the stage, you find a table which seems to have on it a microphone, a clipboard and a small safe. Ah, what's on the clipboard? The clipboard, you assume, is used by the crew of the show. It has a piece of paper on it with the following message. Alan, take notes. The fans (laughs) keep trying to steal the prop for the final part of the show. We've had to put it in the safe. Have used the Spice Girls cipher for code Victoria's Seamstress gave us. For code Victoria's Seamstress. It's not like Victoria's Secrets. I was thinking that. (laughs) I mean, Victoria's Seamstress. Oh, Oh. shit. I'm in a little dress yeah it might be in the dress am i am i emma emma this is michael emma not alan's emma Mm. hello (laughs) take off the dress can i can i just can i can i just ferret around at the back for the label please uh danny assuming i'm I'm assuming i'm wearing a dress i'm not just in the book uh as mentioned before you're wearing a black blouse and jeans can i have a look inside my blouse please uh you can there's nothing of note there what about boobs they're in there oh they are in there can confirm hooray Ah, this might be something to do with the magic hats, perhaps. We can't go back, though. We tried. I tried. Hmm. So I'm in... Um. Oh, God. Alan, what am I in? Um, <laughs> Jim Broadbent. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Accurate. I'm, jo- I'm Jim Broadbent. Oh, you're um, in Jim Broadbent. <laughs> could I... So there are two other doors remaining. One is the one guarded by the Beef Eaters. The other is the Grand One. Given there's already been a Harry Potter reference here, I think if I go to the Grand dare I say it, hogwarts looking one and walk through, will I be transformed into Professor Lungwort or whatever his name was? Lungwort. Slugwort. If you want to go back out, you approach the grand door at the end of the corridor, but it does not open. You notice that it has above it three symbols, or runes if you like, etched into three of the stone blocks in the door frame. Hate runes. You look around and notice that each of the other doors has one corresponding rune above. Could you describe the runes, please? They're just weird hieroglyphic runes they don't seem to make any sense but the symbols match with one of the door other doors in the corridor so three doors or with three different symbols and they're all in the same style they're all the same kind of thing but yep. different symbols yep and writing them down describing them would not help us nope interesting alan do you what do you think um yeah i'm interested i think it was was it the black door that was uh, had beef eaters the uh, black gate in front of it yes of course oh. Uh, as you approach the door, the beef eaters either side quickly slam their feet down and cross their weapons in front of the door. They say nothing, but do not let you pass. I'm a giant swan. They say nothing and do not let you pass. I'd say something. <laughs> what would you say as a swan, Alan? Oh, right, as a swan. Yeah. Honk! <laughs> Could we... Can we trade places then? Because Mike was able to go through his door, so I wonder if we'd just gotten the wrong way around. Maybe, yeah. So if I, if the if giant Swan Allen goes mm. through the Hogwarts door and I go, I head towards the Beefeater door, are we allowed to pass? The stone door remains sealed and the Beefeaters remain Beefy. diligently not letting you through. Okay, so the only space we have access to is the one that Mike is in. So if I had to solve that first, maybe. But if me and Alan try to go through there, are we allowed through? You can go through Mike's door as well, yes. We do have another door. We have the stone door. Yeah. Was the stone door the one with the three symbols above? Because we've got the door with two bouncers, haven't we? No, they've all got a symbol above. Yeah. What's the deal with the stone door then? 
The stone door's the one at the end with the sconces and the burning flame. You've got two just old-looking wooden doors with a bouncer outside and the black door with the beefeaters oh, inside. Okay. Try the bouncer's door. You approach the door when a bouncer steps in your way. Invite only, I'm afraid. He doesn't let you inside. Mm. Mm. I wonder if Emma might have best luck there. All right there. I'm Emma Bunton, so I am. I'm afraid. Sorry. <laughs> what? What? Is she a cockney now? Isn't she? <laughs> I remember the Spice Girls movie. <laughs> it, was basically, it was basically My Fair Lady in a mini dress. Pass, Mike. Okay. Uh, I feel we might need to solve the Spice Girls puzzle first then. So, and, and, and the clue on that was... Um... Hang on, no, no, no. Victoria's seamstress. You're on stage with Victoria Beckham. Oh, So fuck. you want her dress. Oh, I do, yes. So what you have to do is... Well, today gets better and better. Would you like to look at the four ladies on stage? Yes. Would I? I think, I think we would. Marvellous. You walk around to see that the other ladies would I in on 1994? stage are, in fact, the other members of the band, the Spice Girls. You have Mel B and Mel C, Victoria and Jerry. They are all ho- holding microphones and all wearing iconic Spice Girls outfits. The only odd thing you notice is that Victoria has some odd stitching on the back of her dress. I fucking called it. It seems to be numbers and symbols, which reads, Alan, two... Take a note, Miss Moneypenny. Two plus two, four minus two, four plus three, and five times two. So that was two plus two, four minus two, four plus three, and five... Times two. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we shall go over to Alan, who, because he works in computer science, is famously good at maths. Alan. <laughs> okay, well, two plus two. Oh, my oh, God, no, Alan, sure. in your own time. <laughs> Four minus two is a smaller number. Yeah. <laughs> Four plus three is a long number. number with the hat. Uh, and five times two is uh, two numbers, one of which is a number. Excellent. Well done, Mike. So we've got four, two, seven, ten. So if we did, we could do like an alpha. Well, Are that on the safe? Yeah. So well, if it was a cipher, then it would be um, a shift. Normally, mm. ciphers usually shift. But if we did, if we um, index the alphabet and did something like, hang on, the safe, the safe is that? Um, let's go over the safe. Is that letters or numbers or either? The, it's a small black safe with an electronic keypad on it. It seems to take a four-digit code. Four. Digit try the numbers. Code. Just try the numbers. Oh, hang on. Four digits. Got Shit. Five digits. <sighs> It's not that then, is it? Um, I and mean, we can try. Um, okay, well, weirdly, I've just... So if we index the alphabet for 4, 2, 7, and 10, mm-hmm. yeah, D-A-G-J. Okay. Um, so can we try D-A-D-A-G-J in the... I feel it would have been a proper word. There's but... only numbers on the key. Only numbers. Thought so. Fuck! So we've got 4, 2, 7, 10, is that right? Yeah. Try 4, 2, 7, 10. Uh, it beeps and flashes red and doesn't let open. Mm. Could you just read us the... Um... The thing on the clipboard again, please. Yes, of course. The fans keep trying to steal the prop for the final part of the show. We've had to put it in the safe. Have used the Spice Girl cipher for code Victoria Seamstress. Spice, Spice Cipher, Cipher Spice, Alphanumeric Size Spice. It's a five-digit code. No, four-digit. Fuck. Ignore everything I just said. All right, then. (laughs) As you sit and ponder what to do, you hear a gentle chorus emanating from the crowd, sorry, slowly building in volume. Two becomes one. Oh, what? Two becomes one. Oh. You, to be singing. you can hear them off in the distance. Oh, I need know. some love like I've never needed love before. Love? It's a four-digit word. I'm gonna make love to your baby. I had a little love. Now I'm back from more. I wanna make Two become one. And it, yeah, I think that's two become one, isn't it? Oh! 
Well done, Alan. <laughs> Malocky. Right. Malocky. Now, how does that help us? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we've got one. So two plus two would be one plus one. So that's two. Four minus two. So four minus one. Oh, Alan, that's good. Yeah. Five times one is five. So can we try two, three, five, five? Two, three, five, five. Oh, wait, no, hang on. Two, three. Yeah, I think so. No. Maths. You punch two, it three, in and it flushes red. It'll be two, three, ah, uh, two, three, seven, three. Maths. Two, th- yeah, two, three. Oh, sorry, sorry. I had, yeah. I had, two, I had, I three, seven, sorry, five. Seven. Two, three, seven, five. Two, three, seven, five. Maths. I don't know where I got the five from. <laughs> you punch in the code. And there's a pause and it flushes red and doesn't let you win. Ah, oh, fuck, two, three, seven, five. So hang on, two becomes yes. one. So if the twos, John, you're... Being helpful. John has chosen to stand up for this recording yeah. and not take notes. Yeah, yeah. Like a jerk. What song was it? Hey, I called Be- Vicky Beckham's three, seven, dress. Five. What you was did, the song? Alan, can I see your notes? One. John has taken my notes. Why have you drawn the flower? <laughs> what? It's very, very sweet. Two, nice. One. So I've got 2375. Danny, does this puzzle require further knowledge of Spice Girls lyrics? No, I would just nudge you that you are on the right track, but I've done a bit of a dick thing. Oh, hang on, hang on. What's our answer? Sorry? Can you read out our, our new answer? 2375. So two becomes one again. Oh, fuck you. 1375. You punch in the code 1375. Oh, that's good. And the safe lets out a happy beep and springs open. You find inside a jar of pickled onions. Is it bitter? Uh, you don't know. You seem to be unable to open them. A jar of pickled onions. A jar of pickled onions that we can't open. I wonder if we present this to say the... Uh, hang on. As a bright prop from the end of the show. Probably yep. The show, jar. And there's one other item on the table that you haven't looked at. The microphone. Can we pick up the microphone and speak mm. into it? It's a standard microphone that has baby written in rhinestones on it. Oh. Did you pick up the microphone, Mike? Please let us get with microphone in one oh, hand yes. and pickled onions in the other. You step back on stage where both the Spice Girls and crowd suddenly come to life, singing and shouting and cheering. Mel B says, "Now for our big finish, Baby Spice will eat an entire jar of pickled onions." Without thinking, Mike, you pop open the jar and shove the onions in your mouth. You hear Victoria behind you wretch at the thought of eating solid food. <laughs> oh my god. Ouch. <laughs> you finish the jar and Mel C shouts into her mic, she's done it. The crowd goes wild and Jerry, suddenly in a ecstasy of the moment, sings a perfect E note. So perfect that you watch some of the remaining pickled onion juice in your jar crystallise into a capital E shape from the vibration of the speakers. That's how music works. Folks. Something tells you you should hold on to your jar. You bow and all run off stage back through the door to the corridor. The door slams shut behind you and you notice a sort of glyph above the door glow red, as well as a matching symbol above the stone door at the end of the corridor. Mike, you notice that you no longer have a compulsion to hop on one leg and seem to be in control of most of your faculties now. Hooray! You breathe a sigh of relief when the bouncer in front of the old double doors cries out, Phew! Someone's been wolfing down the pickled onions at the buffet table in there. You must have been in earlier. Go back in when you're ready. He proceeds to hold open the door for you. Uh, for the rest of us or just Mike? For all of you. Oh. But I'll go through first because I'm clearly on the list. You step through the old doors into what looks like an old village hall. There's some sort of fate going on inside. And before you, you can see a raised stage, a food stand, a tombola stand and a tuck shop. Let us go to the tuck shop. 
To the side of the hall is a large open hatch to the kitchen that is currently operating a tuck shop. There doesn't seem to be anyone operating it. Instead, there seems to be several items on pressure plates with a little LED next to each item that is green. There's also a small notice that reads, Any customers who fail to pay within five seconds of taking an item will be held in place until the police arrive. Five seconds. There is also a small contactless card machine next to the sign. The items on sale are a Twix, a rooster, a panda pop, a book called Punbelievable, The Life and Times of Ben Lavery Griffiths, <laughs> a lump of uranium, a naan bread that seems to have Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen's face cooked into it. Standard village fate, isn't it? <laughs> a lump of uranium. Are we in Salisbury? Um, hmm. I feel like this will be made sense of as we... Look at the other places. Yeah, I think so. Can we take a look at the uh, the raised stage, please, Danny? Yes, of course. You see a raised stage at the end of the room with a pair of red curtains at either side, a large green curtain backdrop, and on the stage are several dancers, all stood motionless. The dancers appear to be all dressed in theatrical costumes, suits, dresses, feather boas, jackets, top hats, etc. Hmm. And they're motionless. They're, As in, they're frozen in frozen time? In time. Hmm. Okay, let us go to the... Was there a tombola? There was a tombola. You see a table laid out in front of you with various prizes. I'm going to warn you now, this is mainly set dressing, so save you right down. A bottle of wine, (laughs) a box of chocolates. Write down A black feather boa, a gold bar, a small collection of figurines from the movie Ice Age, a large marrow, the actor Vin Diesel, the Dieter (laughs) Stockport, a Polly Pocket playset, and a hand grenade. All great prizes... But the coveted first prize is a top hat worn by Hugh Jackman in The Greatest Showman movie. Not the deed to Stockport. Nope. <laughs> Next to the tombola is a human-sized alligator standing upright wearing glasses at the end of his snout, a Hawaiian shirt, and hilariously, a pair of Crocs on his feet. <laughs> nice. He sees you eyeing up the table and points to a sign that reads, One strip of tickets, 100 yen. I tell you, we have no money. You have no money on you. We do have a swan. We have one place left to visit here, don't we? Brown Town. What? Sorry? Sorry, that's <laughs> later. When Danny's asleep. <laughs> oh. Was there another place to visit inside the village fate? Did you want to visit the food stand? We did. Yes. You approach what appears to be a man barbecuing indoors. He has opened a window though, so that's okay. <laughs> as you approach through the smoke. Is it? As you approach through the smoke, you notice it's actually Alan's dad. Oh we love Alan. He greets you warmly and offers you a bacon sandwich. <laughs> Do you accept? Yes. Absolutely. You accept, but he hands you what appears to be two crumpets with a slice of black pudding in the middle. Yeah, I'd that. Enjoy, he says warmly and gets back to his barbecue. Oh, that doesn't sound like Alan's dad. He'd be like, oh, oh enjoy. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that would be Alan's dad. So he gave, okay, um, can I, can I uh, eat this crumpet with black pudding? Oh, uh, you can, it's delicious. Oh, great, okay. Hmm. I just like crumpets. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, okay. Harold Chipman, famously anti-crumpets. Uh, fuck. And I am the one that gets accused of being too dark. Me. Yeah, not yeah, this guy. Not this me the merciless, his younger brother here. Me. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I, I feel like we need some money. Yeah. Can we swap it? Do you think we can trade anything instead of money? We trade the crumpet. Don't eat, do not eat the crumpet. He didn't eat the crumpet. I, he's eating the crumpet. Can we ask oh. my dad for another crumpet and black pudding? Uh, he gladly gives you another two crumpets with a slice of black pudding in the middle. Can we trade them? Well, John. Um, 
I think you're our man here. <laughs> we, we both. Why me? Well, you're the well, king of uh, strange here. money. <laughs> God, John, I'm going to give you a crumpet of black pudding. See what you can get. <laughs> okay. This is John fighting his two chief urges in life. One is to eat the food in front of him, <laughs> and the other is to drive to Glasgow, trade that crumpet and black pudding for a, a bit of old plastic sheeting, then drive all the way down to Nottingham and trade it for a bit of old guttering and then 27 trades later have like a Ferrari which he then does some <laughs> DIY on <laughs> and then he's back to the plastic pie thing accurate um, I'm, I'm quite stumped um, do you want a little steer give the crumpet to the dancers oh hang on okay I'm stuffed you think we sell the alligator to the Chinese could I, could I give you a little nudge to maybe have another look at the tuck shop tuck shop Okay, so there was a Twix, Rooster, Uranium, Narn Bread, Lobster Dwell in Bowen, in the Narn Bread. Yep. There was a lot more. Panda Pop. Panda Pop. Panda Pop. Um, Would you like to look a little bit closer at the tuck shop? Yeah. Yes. Oh, marvellous. So looking around, you can see that it's actually a hatch into a kitchen and there's there doesn't seem to be anyone there, but there does seem to be a space behind the tuck shop. Okay, let's go in there. Ooh. Oh, marvellous. So going around to the back of the tuck shop, but underneath the items, they have a weight display. Ah. There also appears to be another unit. We can swap them with the crumpets. That's how. There's also another unit that appears to be empty, and the display reads zero. Let's weigh our crumpets. You can see the weight of the other items as well. How much do the crumpets weigh? Uh, if you weigh a crumpet, each crumpet is 0.4 kg, and the black okay. pudding is 0.2 kg. That's a lot of crumpets. That's, that's a kilo. So all together, yeah, one kg. Fuck me, that's a big crumpet. <laughs> That is a breakfast. That is a that is a Weatherspoon's breakfast. Would you like to know okay. the weight of the items? We would. A Twix, the Twix on offer is, is two one kg. kilo. Is two kg. Wow. What? The rooster is seven point two kg. A panda pop is zero point zero one kg. A book called Pumbelievable, The Life and Times of mm. Ben Lavery Griffiths is long. Is six four hundred and sixty-five point three kg, being such a compendium of life puns hmm. a lump of uranium is 120 kg and the naan bread that seems to have launched the well and bowen's face cooked into it is 0.5 so we could take the naan bread solve it for a crumpet but you've already got a crumpet no as in we could use one of our crumpets and exchange it for the naan bread and the weight detector wouldn't um register yeah. uh, you'd be 0.1 kg off hey because thought... crumpets are 0.4 and the naan bread is 0.5 hmm I suppose we've got to work out what we need to, like, what would a, what would an alligator want other than 100 yen? A swan. A rooster? Higher. We could get, we could get a second, um, delicious crumpet black pudding sandwich. We could sacrifice Alan. And that, because, because, because we've, presumably our, our crumpet and black pudding sandwich is two crumpets with a black pudding slice in the middle? Yes, two crumpets and one slice. Okay, so that's a kilo. So we could ask Alan's dad for another one and get two for a massive Twix. Um, or we could ask Alan's dad for 119 more and get a lovely lump of uranium. <laughs> Unlimited supply of... <laughs> yeah, I mean, if the alligator doesn't want it, then the North Koreans uh, are in the market, I hear. Um, How are we doing for time? 20 minutes left. Um, just in the interest of time, as you examine the items, you happen to notice that the alligator's eyes seem to be affixed on you. As you examine the rooster. A fix on all of us or a fix on... Whoever's manipulating the items. Am I still a swan? How much does the rooster weigh? You are still a massive swan. That's interesting. How much does the rooster weigh? The rooster is 7.2 kg. 7.2. 
Okay, so Alan's dad is famously the most generous of men. So we, <laughs> essentially, we essentially have unlimited crumpets. Yes, he does seem pudding. to, every time you go back and ask, he does seem to give you crum- the bacon sandwich ad infinitum. Oh, so how many... Oh, this need- is great. We just ask for six more combinations of um, black pudding and crumpets with one, which is a double black pudding. And that would give us a total of 7.2 kilos. Mm-hmm. Marvellous. You lift the rooster and carefully place your replacement items onto the pressure plate. And after a moment, the LED next to it turns green. Indiana Jones style. You step away victorious. And as you move back from the tuck shop, and a, a sweat breaks out on the alligator. And he starts to sweat. And his pupils dilate until he is overcome with base desire. He lunges at you, knocking you to your feet, launching the rooster into the air, which he snaps up in his jaws and then immediately death rolls out a nearby fire escape, which <laughs> slams shut behind him. What an exit. Wow. So he was mining, uh, manning, was it the Tombola he was manning? He was manning the Tombola and its sacred first prize of the top hat worn by Hugh Jackman. Hey, we need to get Hugh Jackman's top hat. We do, yeah. obviously. Now free of the watchful eye of the alligator, you take the top hat from the prize table. What are you going to do with it? Wear that bitch. <laughs> oh, John, you pop it on and you're surrounded by a puff of smoke. Oh, it clears to reveal you now have a ginger moustache and beard, and you're wearing a ringmaster's coat. You've oh. now become Harold Zidler from Moulin Rouge. He dances up to the stage where the other actors spring to life and join in with a rousing performance. It's quite the spectacle, which finishes with John backflipping off the stage and knee sliding into the crowd. Just imagine I do that. He misjudges the laminate beneath him and there's our man. There's our John. Fuck you. He goes careering into the tombola table. God damn it, Danny. He knocks his hat off and his costume melts away, and prizes fly into the air, falling around you as a small figure of Sid the Sloth from the Ice Age figurines Points for lands zero. lands in Mike's pickled onion jar. Oh my jar! <laughs> it seems to then settle in place inside. You grab your top hat, which has now become entangled with the black feather boa, and you take your leave into the corridor. As you step out, you notice that another glyph within the stone doorway glows, as does the matching symbol above the door. Ah, John now seems to have more control of his faculties and no longer river dances randomly. Right. So we've got one door. uh, I'd forgotten about river dancing. (laughs) (laughs) You were literally river dancing a moment ago. Yeah. Uh, So that means I think we've got the... Is it the uh, black black door? Black, black door, beef eater boy. The beef black eater, lads. You do. Yeah. So uh, can we have a little wander up to that door? Uh, you do. And once again, the beef eaters slam their feet down and cross their weapons in front of it. Not uh-huh. Even with my top hat on. Oh, John, you want to put the top hat on again? Yes, I do. John puts the hat on that's now entangled with the feather boa on it. Uh-huh. And it's surrounded by a puff of smoke that clears to reveal him dressed as before, but now with a large feathery hat. You approach the door and the two guards uncross their weapons and let you pass. Yeah, they fucking do. You enter the door to find yourself in the countryside. Am I the queen? Am I the queen? No. Damn. You're still uh, the Moulin Rouge bloke, but with a feathery hat. Okay. In front of you is a small wooden gazebo and to the right of you is a canal. Along the canal, you see a lock and the lockkeeper's house. To the lockkeeper's house, surely. Hmm. So as you approach the lock and the lockkeeper's house, you see it is taped off by the police. They don't let you pass police business. Mm. Mm. To the lock, then? Uh, that's, all, that's all in the surrounding tape. Can, we, can we address the police? Uh, you can. They just tell you it's official police business and you can't come in. Um, there was a wooden gazebo. There was. Within, Within the gazebo, it? you see before you King George VI. He stands smoking a cigarette and looks you up and down. He says nothing. But you know so that's, that's, something that's Queen Elizabeth's dad, isn't yeah. it? Yes. 
You see behind him a table with aerial pictures of the canal and a circle drawn around the lock. You also find some walkie-talkies, a truncheon, and a policeman's hat. Well. <laughs> I think... They'll never suspect a swan dressed as a policeman, will they? <laughs> Alan Ford! <laughs> can I, uh, yeah, can I bang on those... Uh... Uh, you do, uh, but the police still don't let you pass. Ah, oh. so <laughs> we're down to Evan Bunton or Jim Broadbent, who makes the more convincing fake policeman. What a question! All right, there. <laughs> I'm a policeman, so I am. Sorry, Mark. Daddy. I'm going to put on the police outfit. Oh, marvelous, John! You put on the policeman's hat and you're engulfed in a puff of smoke, which dissipates. Ta-da! Oh, yeah. nice. It dissipates to reveal you're now Inspector Frank Butterman from Hot Fuzz. Ah. Is, that, is he actually played by Jim Broadbent? Yeah. Oh, of course he is. Okay. He is, yeah. He approaches the taped-off area and the police officer dip their hats to you and raise the tape and let you all through. Thank you, Sergeant. Would you like to look at the lock or the lockkeeper's house first? I would like to look up wherever the body is. <laughs> it just assumes there's a body. I mean, come on, like every single police drama where you go under the tape, they'd, they'd be dead people inside. There's no dead people. Damn. Okay, uh, the lockkeeper's house. Marvellous. You enter the building to find a small living room with a window onto the lock. On the window is sellotaped a set of instructions for the lock. Number one, close the current open gate. Take this down, Miss Moneypenny. Number two, (laughs) make sure the latch is shut on the gate. Okay. Number three, turn the valve for water flow. Clockwise to lower, anti-clockwise to raise. Number four, unlatch opposite gate. And number five, push open gates. Push open gates. And that's the instructions to adjust the lock. What's four, sorry? Four is unlatch opposite gate. Unlatch opposite gate. I wonder, are we going to be draining... Which lock is this, does it say? It's just a canal lock. It's not specific. By the way, for international listeners... Oh, yeah. uh, God. Well, you you might know what a canal is. A canal is a a tame river made by man uh, and slightly deeper than your knees, uh, upon which they were basically like the, the railways of their day. It was the uh, the waterways were how most sort of heavy goods were transported around the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to overcome things like... Um, Radiant. The, dis- gradients and, uh, and uh, verticality, uh, they have these wonderful little gated lock systems which use uh, water flow to either drain or raise water level uh, in an area in order to bring the, uh, the accompanying sort of canal boat or whatever. So, so basically there'd be gates on either side and the water would be at one level on one side and... On one level or another, you would fill up the lock to meet the upper level, drive your canal boat in, close the gate behind you, drain the water out of that lock with the canal boat in it to the level, to the lower level, and then open the second gate and let your canal boat out. That was the way it worked. We're gonna, we're, there were also total death traps. Oh, shit. I was just about to say, we're going to be doing this in August. because we're gonna, hmm. Well, it's been nice knowing traps, you. <laughs> they are death traps. Um, would you like to look at the lock itself? We would, I'm sure. The lock is your standard affair. You have at each end a gate attached to a long handle either side of the canal, as well as a small walkway across both and a latch in the middle of the gates. And at the centre at each side of the canal is a large turn valve. The lock allows passage between the upper end of the canal at a higher water level to the lower end of the canal at a lower water level. Danny, what's the current state of the lock? Currently, the lock gates are open to the upper end of the canal. So it's full. higher. And there seems to be debris floating in the water around the open gate. The water seems very mucky and unclear. Any boats? No boats. All cordoned off. The police won't let I them. I suggest we close and drain the lock. Okay. Uh, so to 
what steps would we go through to do that? So we need to close the open upper gate. What, uh, re- Alan, could you reread as your notes on this? So, um, close the current open gate. Open gate. Let's do that. Let's close the upper gate. Yeah, sure. So, uh, who's doing that? I'll do it. It's a two man job. I mean, I suppose I better do it because Alan's a swan. Marvellous. Right, so Mike and John, either side of the canal. Baby spice and (laughs) Professor Slughorn. Yeah, you both push your respective gates closed so they meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, Okay, so we need to check the latches shut across the gate. Do we set Alan free at the end of this? Is this how this ends (laughs) when he flies away? (laughs) We have to pate him. Marvellous. One of you runs across the gate to the middle and shuts the shuts the latch. What is step three, Alan? So step three, we, uh, because, so the, it's already full, this, so we need to lower it. So that means you need to turn the valve clockwise. Thank you. Shall we turn the valve clockwise, please? Marvellous. So both of you go to your respective valve what? either side <laughs> and you turn it clockwise and the water drains down to and then meet we the lower level. not latch the unlatch the gate just yet. At the other side. So. You won't be able to, won't it? Unlatch the opposite yeah. gate. Yeah, the lower gate won't open until it's... Yeah, you're, it's now at the lower level, so... So we could. Boom, let's do it. Yeah, so, uh, Mike, you run across to the middle of the gate and unlatch it. And push the gate open. Marvellous. You both take your respective side of the gate and push them open. Uh, as you do so, it, all the remaining debris and muck flows with the current down the canal, leaving the water much clearer than before. You can see something under the water, but it's not very clear from high up on the sides of the canal. We need... A swan. A swan! There it is. The ugly duckling is coming to his own. <laughs> I'm going to dive into that water. There he oh, is. We might do some swan stuff. He's moving oh. out of Phil's shadow after all these years <laughs> with, with that noise. <laughs> That's what, nice what was the made. swan noise, Alan? <laughs> That's nice. Okay. Alan. Add that to your sound effects. <laughs> Alan, being the majestic waterfowl that he is, gracefully oh, yeah. dips his head into the water to reveal under him a sunken wreck of a Messerschmitt aircraft. Oh. This must have been the cause of the debris earlier. You inspect the wreckage, and there seems to be a box in the cockpit with a blinking red light. Ooh, okay. Can I inspect that box? Uh, Alan, it's within reach, but you can't really see properly under the water. Can I uh, kind of peck, pick it up with my swanny mouth? Yes, of course. You reach down with your long neck, and you take the box <laughs> by its handle in your... Bl- that was the reason. My Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's very heavy, but you manage to pull it up and pull it out of the water. You're now bobbing in the canal, holding the black box of the crashed plane. I reckon the original version of this puzzle was a giraffe with a surfboard <laughs> to make the same <laughs> one. No, with a message. <laughs> um, I'll bring this back to, to, to the side, to land. Uh, currently, you're at a lower water level, and the oh, canal's quite high up. Guys, oh. at the time, we have seven minutes and 45 right. seconds remaining. Uh, it relays see, the water level. So, uh, you guys need to go through the steps again. Oh, raise, so, raise me up. That's, okay, Doddle. So, you can fly! It, he's carrying a very heavy black box, which does not allow him to fly currently. Okay, fucking this is, okay this is fine, though. This is fine. So we close uh, the currently open gate. Yep. So we do that first. Check. Uh, we check the latch is shut because we can now cross code. Yep. Okay, and then we're going to turn the valve anti-clockwise because that's yep. going to raise the current, uh, raise the uh, the water. Let that fill up. Gliby, gliby, gliby. John, no. <laughs> no. I will unplug I, you. I've You'll been be dead. Hugging on the headphone cable. Why Very would you? Just because I know it like uh, seven minutes remaining. Wonderful. Ah, so focus, Michael. Focus, Michael. Focus, focus, Michael. Uh, you raise the lock back up to the higher level, allowing Alan to pass you the box and get out. 
One of the police officers standing guard sees this and escorts you to the gazebo in front of His Majesty and explains that these two and their inordinately large swan have managed to salvage crucial data for the war and from the wreckage. He takes the black box and hits a button on it and it begins to play 99 Luft balloons. He hits the button again to stop it, then passes it to an officer, exclaiming this, this just may be the thing that wins them the war. At that moment, there is a commotion above you and David Baddiel flies down and joins you. He's pleased to tell you that he's finally found a working toilet for you. You didn't really think of it before, but he'd actually really like a wee. He leads you back into the lockkeeper's house and through a door you didn't notice was there before. He opens it to reveal a Lego-sized toilet on the floor. Disappointed that this won't do the job, Mike kicks the tiny toilet, which ricochets off the walls and lands in your pickled onion jar, settling in place. Disgruntled, you head back through the door that you entered, which leads you into the corridor. Alan, you now find that you're in about 90% of control of yourself and no longer flap and honk randomly. The final glyph above the door glows and the large doors at the end of the corridor creaks and moans and swings open. The blue sconces either side of them turn red. You enter. In front of you is a large circular stone table. About three feet above the table is a giant floating brain wrapped in chains with a large whimsical padlock securing them in place. At the back of the large stone room, the wall is shrouded in a billowing black smoke that seems to flow in place and take the shape of numbers. 526, 525, 524. Uh, it seems to be counting you down. On the table itself is a small circular dip as if something could be mounted there and three seats around the table. Hmm. Uh, okay, so we have in my magic pickle jar a tiny toilet, a small figurine of Sid from Ice Age and a crystallised E. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can we take a look at this padlock, Danny? You can. It just seems to be a whimsical padlock holding chains in place around a giant floating brain. Does it take a key or a combination? It takes a key. A key. Well, should we place the three items inside the three the three bits? Uh, currently, the items are settled and stuck in place in Mike's pickle jar. Can I smash the jar? Uh, you just find that you can't. You can't bring yourself. There one no deposit for this room. Exactly. That we could put the pickle jar in the dip. Oh, you yeah. each take a seat around the table and you place the pickled onion jar you've been carrying around with you in the mount on the table. There's a shudder beneath you and suddenly the, the jar's contents begin to whirl at an incredible speed, becoming brighter and brighter until you can't look at it. The light begins to fade and before you is an empty jar and hovering just above it is a key. Congratulations, you have found the Lucidity key. Oh, no! Oh, yeah. You take the key and plunge it into the lock and twist. The shackles around the mind dissolve away and the mind is free. In an instant, you feel that you're in full control of your body and mind. You understand that this is a construct of your own minds and subconsciouses. Free. Free. <laughs> well, that sounded funny. What would you That's like really to do? Free. We've got that whimsical lock. We've got a key. You've opened it. Oh, shit. You're now in full control and realise that this is all in your minds. We have to wake up. Oh, I, uh, I pinch my balls. Oh. Marvellous. <laughs> God. Realising that this is just your own mind and that you are in control, you will yourselves and escape back to the waking world. The smoke filling the back of the room begins to swirl violently as lightning fires bolts amongst the vortex. Through the centre of it... There can yourself. be only one. You see yourselves asleep where you were from earlier. You levitate off the ground and will yourselves through the swirling storm. And with a bright flash, you sit bolt upright awake from puzzling nightmare. The capsule has since vanished, but before you lies a perfectly smooth chrome sphere about the size of a watermelon. It pulses periodically, getting more intense the closer you get to it. 
Congratulations, you've solved my puzzle. Oh my Yay. word. Danny, that was a to say that was a fever dream would be an <laughs> I warned you. I warned you. I, I wish my COVID experience was as fun as that. I just got really tired <laughs> and breathless. And Danny like had a full Danny on psychedelic. Balls. Yeah, wow. Incredible. Yeah, I, I actually like your initial description of that was so vivid that I was genuinely like feeling my grip and reality slipping. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. You, uh, How long left? Two minutes fifteen left. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so was, was that cool. was that one of those kind of nights where you can't get off and you keep this? this, <laughs> this, this, this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't mean that. There it is. Wank yourself raw. We all now? have those nights where you just can't get off. Uh, <laughs> it's that 20-minute recovery time, I find, is the best time to write a puzzle. Yeah, genuinely, <laughs> uh, it was about like 2 a.m. at this point and I was absolutely sweltering and couldn't sleep. Yeah. And yeah, it just kind of started racing through my mind like, oh, what about puzzle? Oh, what if Alan was a massive fucking swan? And then it just like, yeah. And then it obviously it all just extrapolates from there, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Of course. This Swan, QPD, yeah. Jim Broadbent. To solve that, we should have just like worked out Hans of Swan and well, gone backwards from that. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. All the clues were there. Yeah. Tiny yeah. toilet, Jim Broadbent, Feather Duster, Spice Girls. Yeah. God done. So it was meant to be a mad fever dream, but you became more awake and so you became more lucid. Ah, uh, very and good. And you got the lucidity. Lucidity, yeah. lucidity was good. Was lucidity really good. was good. I was like, yeah. I got everything apart from the loo, and I was like, how can I really fucking shoehorn in a loo? Oh, loo, Sid, E. e. Oh. I, I, I had spotted that. Lucid, so I thought, lucid oh. E, and then it swells around to form a key. Lucid See, e. you should have had a puzzle at the end of that where we have to, Lucid we have to e, extrapolate yeah. that. Like, uh, name, you, it, it, it would have been like, name the key. Yeah. You have to name the key to escape. Uh, Everything see, my idea was because it's subconscious and it slowly comes to fruition. I like, oh, I like that. Like, it's more lucid in your dream. Oh. And yeah, then the dream becomes, oh shit, I'm fully lucid now and I know what I'm doing. Just wake up. Take us home. Cheers, lad. That was a good one. So, listeners, thank you very much for listening. You can subscribe to us on all of your favourite apps, feeds, iTunes, and at our website, theinfiniteescaperoom.com. You can also follow us and get in touch via Facebook and Twitter at tier underscore podcast. If you've enjoyed the episode, and we really hope you did, then great, good for you. You can... <laughs> then, it's awesome. Just actually just, like, share it with somebody. Like, you know. Yeah. That'd be nice. Just at work, say, hey, you listen to this great podcast? Infinite Escape Room? Yeah, Infinite Escape Room. Give it a listen. In the 20-minute break. Yeah, here's a link. In your, in your during, during your unpaid um, lunch period, yeah, um, which we all get, and we need to make sure we take. Make sure you take that for the lunch period, because it's not paid. Mm. Yeah, eat that sandwich. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infinite Escape Room. We love you lots, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye now. Bye. I will be in your dream. Oh. John says goodbye as well. <laughs> in his special way. <laughs>